What is up, everybody? How are you doing? How are you living? Austin Cunningham and Justin Trees coming to you today to break down week 14. But we're also going to spice it up a little bit as we are going to give you guys a top five at quarterback, running back, wide receivers, and tight ends of the 2020 NFL season. And it has been a crazy one. There have been some guys that have been injured. And when you hear these lists today, it's not who has been great over, you know, the last couple of years and, you know, a true top five of, you know, collective seasons and stats. It's it's this year primarily and what we've seen watching all the games every week, breaking them down and previewing them throughout the season. We feel confident enough at right here a week after week 14 going into week 15 uh, who the top five players are at each position uh, skill-wise on the offensive side of the ball to provide you today. But a lot of storylines to follow as well over this last weekend. Now that we're a minute into this and I'm just sitting here talking on my own, maybe I ought to introduce the co-host, or at least let him talk, Mr. Justin Treese. Uh, the crowd goes wild! Oh! Oh! No, uh, thanks, Austin. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about this episode. Uh, one, because the games were fantastic this weekend. I really enjoyed watching them. And then two, yeah, like you said, the top fives. I thought it was going to be a fun exercise that we could do now. And honestly, we could see how it changes by the time the end of the season goes. But um, for me, it was just like fantasy playoffs going on. It's very interesting to see like rosters, like who has what. And so like I was trying, I was actually doing like a little exercise of like who's the most commonly used uh, player on still active uh, fantasy rosters for teams that are still in the playoffs. And it made me just think, well, we should do top five. So let's get into it. Mm. First off, let's start with quarterbacks. Now, how, how do we want to go about this? Do we want to go like back and forth or do you want me to be like, here's my quarterbacks, here's the top five. And then you give yours and then discuss or what, what, what's your mindset here? This is something we probably have before the show, but let's do it during the show. Yeah. I mean, let's go from one to five. Cause I think that our top ones are going to be the same for the most part. It's going to be like that three, four, five that I think will be different. So like, let's get the non-exciting obviously usually want to go five to one but like just because they'll be the same let's work our way down so absolutely so top quarterback number one patrick mahomes duh number two excuse me aaron Rodgers. another duh number three josh allen four russell wilson and number five deshaun watson team records not that good but the way he's been playing this year has been phenomenal he has been doing well Even with injuries to the team and his weapons, he continues to do his best week in and week out. Deshaun Watson has to round it out in the top five for me this year, no matter what. I like it. So uh, we have a lot of similar things. Um, I actually did end up putting Aaron Rodgers one. Um, And this is weird, right? Because I still think that Patrick Mahomes wins the MVP. But I think that Aaron Rodgers has done more with less. So I'm going to put Aaron Rodgers one, Patrick Mahomes two. Given I swapped those, I swapped those two like seven different times, and I was like, you want to know what? It doesn't matter. They're one and two, and I knew you'd have them one and two as well. Three, I also have uh, Josh Allen. Four, I have Deshaun Watson, who you had five. So that's the difference there. Uh, and then five, I really wanted to put Russell Wilson here, but I didn't. I put Ooh. Ryan Tannehill here. What? I don't think I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's doing in Tennessee. 
I mean, that's a very solid point, especially with the way things have been going lately um, and the way that offense has been rolling. Now, there have been some off weeks and there was a moment, um, you know, or a heartbreak, disappointing type performance last week uh, within that in the loss to Cleveland. But like Ryan Tannehill, you know, it is one of those things where he took over as the role and was like, let's do our best to, you know, try and come back in this game. I don't think I don't think you're far off from that. I almost kind of feel bad that I left him off my list. Yeah, so, like, for me, the biggest thing was, like, he has 28 touchdown passes. He only has five picks. Um, yes, again, Russell Wilson has 36 touchdowns, but he has 12 picks. And he they're averaging the same amount of yards per attempt. Uh, completion percentage, Wilson does have a little bit better. But, again, he's also thrown it, like, 60 times more. So you wonder, like, if Tannehill gets to throw it more given his percentage could go down as well, but could it go mm-hmm. up as well, right? So, um, yeah, so I went with Ryan Tannehill's five with Russell Wilson a very, very close six. So that's where I'm at. So let's hear that top five again because mine was Mahomes, Rodgers, Allen, Wilson, and Watson. Mine is Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Ryan Tannehill. Okay. That's fair. Um now, let's move on to running backs. Well, first off, did you have any disagreement with my quarterbacks? No, I don't. Again, like we had four of the five the same, and then you're the one that was different. I had a six, so I can't really complain there. And again, you have a Mahomes at one. Like Honestly, I probably should have Mahomes at one, but I just, I'm just putting into account that Mahomes has just so many better weapons than what Aaron Rodgers does. There we go. Uh Running backs, I think, number one, it should be pretty easy on who this guy is. He's been tearing it up. We just wait week after week, year after year. It's like at some point the train's going to slow down. Well, in case you haven't noticed, it freaking isn't anytime soon. Derrick Henry's number one. Dalvin Cook. Now, here's the thing with these running backs. Some of them have been dealing with injuries, but when they're on the field, they're true difference makers, and that's why I have them here. So Dalvin Cook at number two. I have uh, Nick Chubb at three, and then I have Alvin Kamara at four, and then Kenyon Drake at five. What he's doing in Arizona, I know that we look at that offense and it's like, oh, it's Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. And it's like, you look at Kenyon Drake when the ball's in his hands, the dude is doing work and he's had some big games this year. But like with this offense getting stagnant, it's almost like they're not trying to stay balanced as an offense. They're just trying to keep throwing the ball down the field. And they need to stay true and give Drake some more options or looks here within it, you know, in the receiving and running game and let him continue to vote. Excuse me. I think that's going to be a huge part of this offense going forward as they still fight for a chance in the playoffs. That's looking slimmer and slimmer as the season goes on here. We only have a couple weeks left. So that's my top five. But I really like the fact of having Kenyon Drake as a top five. Yeah, I actually didn't even have Kenyon Drake in my top nine i think i had in my 10 or 11 so uh we will be different sorry. so you sorry you went derrick henry dalvin cook alvin Kamara top three nick chubb nick chubb three and then Kamara four so yep. very similar so i went derrick henry at one i went dalvin cook at two i went alvin Kamara at three um at four i actually and maybe it's homerism but i went with james robinson at four i thought about it i thought about it so, like, he's on pace for 1,800 yards this year with 
playing with how many different quarterbacks, three different quarterbacks basically at this point, mm-hmm. and his wide receivers have been in and out. Like there's nothing going on with this offense. And undrafted rookie who didn't get any preseason, basically any offseason, because he started out as a number four. So even the first three weeks of camp, he didn't get like any reps. He got reps the week before the season started, and he's on pace for 1,800 yards. So I went with James Robinson for and then five, I've been going back and forth. Uh, I have, It's out of Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones for me with for the five mm-hmm. spot. Um, I went with Aaron Jones, again, because of this year, and Nick Chubb just missed more time. Uh, Aaron Jones also missed two games. Nick Chubb's just missed, like, five games. So uh, I will, I'll go with Aaron Jones just because it's based off of this year. Absolutely. And Aaron Jones is right here behind Kenyon Drake for me. It was really the battle between those two in the top five. But I had a feeling you might not have Kenyon Drake, uh, and I assumed you would go with Aaron Jones there. So that's kind of why I had Drake in mind as well. But here, let's get to tight ends now. Um, this is a very sporadic type of list for me outside of who the top two guys are, and they're both in the AFC West, and that's Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. After that, I mean, we had this discussion, what, last week, Treese, you know, on TJ Hawkinson and the type of year he was having Um with the lines and kind of what they should do moving forward with Matthew Stafford um, or just the future of that team as a whole. But the third tight end for me was DJ Hawkinson. And then I went Tanya the tight end. Um, I think I might've just botched his name, the tight end with the green Bay Packers. But I mean, that dude exploded on the scene with a game of having like four touchdown receptions. And since then hasn't gone away. Like he continues yeah. to perform and be and be a reliable target for Aaron Rodgers. And so you mentioned with quarterbacks that like, Aaron Rodgers is doing more with less. I almost kind of think here, like his weapons are just undervalued at this point. Like they're just not being appreciated enough because Tanyan has been a part of that offense with Devontae Adams on the field as well with Aaron Jones. And they're an offense that is going to be deadly in the playoffs. And I'm excited to see it if things can keep rolling. It's just a question mark on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers trying to slow down the run. But anyways, last five, my last tight end, number five, um, I went with Mark Andrews. Now, I'm not feeling too confident in this as him being my five because watching him throughout the year, it's been like, man, you've had some key drops. Uh, you haven't been the the biggest focal point within the offense as, you know, we're, would like to see as, you know, being a top five tight end with the rest of these guys that I have listed. But that's also just kind of the drop off with tight end this play. I almost had Mike Gusecki on this list because he's quietly having a good year himself. But I had to go with Mark Andrews. So, yet again, pretty close. I have Travis Kelsey one. I did go TJ Hawkinson number two. Wow. Yeah. Even after Darren Waller's, like, crazy-ass week last week? Because it's one big game, right? And so I think yeah. that TJ Hawkinson does a lot more in the running game as well. I'm not thinking just receiving yards. Oh, the old, the old so, he's a good blocking tight end, huh? So, I mean, he very much is, though. So, yeah. um, big old dude. Yeah, so I actually went with Hawkinson, too. I did go Darren Waller, three. I did go Robert Tunyon, four. So we're wow. there. Uh, and five, dude, I don't care that he's missed as much time. I still think he's probably had the fifth best year of tight ends, and I went with George Kittle. Get out of town. I don't even care that he's missed as much time. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, if you think about it, like, you brought up Kaseki. Dude, that dude went MIA. Like, he was on milk cartons. Mm. For like six weeks in the year. And he was on the field. Like there was literally search parties in Miami looking for that man. 
I uh, silence. People <laughs> literally fucking, just thought that fucking like, savage. <laughs> what but, a fucking savage. But it's true though. Like if you yeah. don't think that's true, like you're in denial. <laughs> well, excuse me for having my Gasecki at like you know number six. Like fuck me, am I right? No, I, I'm fine with you having him there. I'm just saying I'm I'm trying to describe why I still have George Kittle because all the other guard like all the other tight ends, good tight ends, I feel like have gone MIA or they've missed time themselves. So why not go with the dude that I think has been great? Like I thought maybe. Maybe fucking Rob Gronkowski deserves to be here for this year. But, like, you're right. Andrews, Mark Andrews has one game over, like, 90 yards this year. Dallas Goddard missed a ton of time. Hunter Henry, been MIA most of the time. Ebron has 1,003 drops this year. Can I really <laughs> put him there? Uh, Logan Thomas came to mind. Like, yep. maybe, like he, but then I'm like, but really he's had one monster game, and then he's just been average the rest of the time you know Noah Fant been MIA Hayden Hurst he's currently missing in Atlanta like they are search parties there you know so I don't know that's just it's just how I felt and how many like, uh how many drops did Eric does Eric Ebron have this season a thousand and three um <laughs> it might have gone up to four while we've been talking though <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm almost crying, laughing so hard. <laughs> Dude, he just dropped it. He just dropped his phone on his face right now. We all know it. He's just laying in bed trying to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Dropped it right on his face. <laughs> We've all been there. Just Eric Ebron's been there a lot more than us. <laughs> Let's get to wide receivers. Number one, I think it to me it's pretty evident, and I even wrote about it in my article that I put out every week, uh, including power rankings and stuff like that. But like. I think it's between two guys this year, and that's Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams. Now, Devontae Adams has missed a couple games um, this season, but when he's on the field, he's making plays. So number one for me is Tyree Kill, and then I'm going to go Devontae Adams. Then I'm going to go Stephon Diggs because what he has been in that offense for the Buffalo Bills has just completely changed the landscape and even the production of Josh Allen as you know he was a top three quarterback on my list today. Then I went DK Metcalf and then DeAndre Hopkins. Trace, I felt like you gave me a look when I said Tyreek Hill at number one, so I want to know why. And this is not me trying to be a homer. I I tried to give exclusive details even in the article, and I'm going to try to today as well. But I'm a, I have a feeling you're disagreeing with me here. Oh, I didn't mean to give you a look if I did. Um, so that's probably just my resting bitch face that you're still not used to after two years. Um, but I didn't go with Tyreek Hill at number one. I did go Devontae Adams. I mentioned it last week that I think it's clear that he is um, wide receiver one in the NFL right now. Um, Wait, I, didn't so go Ty- pick- I didn't go Tyreek Hill at two either. <laughs> um, Wait, you put Devontae Adams at one? Yeah. But, okay, so who's number two? Uh, I went with Keenan Allen number two this year. He didn't even make my list. I know, he, I know he didn't. And then I went Tyreek Hill at three. And then I went Stefan Diggs because I completely agree with you on Stefan Diggs. He's had an amazing year. Um, and then number five, like, I still, I literally, to this moment, still don't know who to put at number five because I have three names. You mentioned DK. He is on my list. I'm not going to go DK. I'll go with the original name that I came up with. 
and that's Calvin Ridley. I fucking knew it. I almost said it before you. Um, yeah. So there's like three wide receivers, three. Yeah, I think there's three right now. Maybe there's four that have at least 90 yards and or a touchdown or a touchdown. 90 yards or a touchdown in basically every game except for one this year. And Ridley is one of them. So one or two. Now, games. So I noticed you don't have DeAndre Hopkins on your list. How come? <clears throat> Um, yeah, I, that was a tough one and it was very strange that I didn't have him. I just think that he has gotten way more targets than the other guys. And I mean, he, I think he leads, I think he leads the NFL in targets. Oh, no, he is. Sorry. He's third tied for third in targets. And I mean, 94 catches, 1150 yards. Um, but for me, it's just, he's had those games where you're just like, what happened to him? Where did he go? Um, so, like, what I was just bringing up with, like, Calvin Ridley, right? Like, Calvin Ridley had that one weird game against Green Bay where he literally didn't have a catch, right? Um, and then after that, he has had – sorry, I'm looking up the stats right now. Yeah, so he had that. And then he had a tough game against Carolina on a Thursday night game. And then other than that, he has had a, either a touchdown or at least 90 receiving yards in every single game. That just shows consistency there. And I'm not saying Hopkins is not consistent, but um, I'm just seeing a couple games where it's 7 for 41, and then it's 5 for 50, 5 for 55, 8 for 80, or 8 for 52, you know? And then there was the 2 for 73 against Dallas when one of them, I think, was like a 65-yard reception. So I just feel like it's been – he has like – three or four just monster games of like 125 plus yards. And then it's kind of been actually just average, like 50 to 60 yard games uh, more often than not. So, um, but the other guy that I had in mind was AJ Brown. I think AJ Brown's been a complete monster this year. Like, yeah. I mean, Allen Robinson is having himself a decent year as well. Terry McLaurin, you know, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett. Yeah. This by far was the hardest one, right? Because you even still have yeah. guys like Jeff, Justin Jefferson coming out of nowhere. And yes. Stuff like that, right? So, like, this was the toughest one to come up with five, which is why I really, like, had, like, okay, I know my top four, and then I have three or four that could fit into that five range. And so I'll go with Calvin Ridley, though, just to have it have it different than you than the DK one. So There we go. Um, And, you know, speaking of, like, receivers – Travis Kelsey leads the league in receiving yards. And if you're listening to this podcast, you most likely already know that. But that is just absolutely absurd that a tight end is leading the entire NFL in receiving yards, and it's not a wide receiver. A couple years ago, he broke the most receiving yards in a season by a tight end. And then literally a couple hours later, here comes George Kittle with some backup quarterback and C.J. Beathard. Maybe it was even Mullins. And broke the record himself by like another hundred or some yards. Travis Kelsey is going to demolish that record this year. Yes, he like is. he is going to just put it out of the water. Where it's going to be one of those things where it's, it might be a long time before someone else breaks it because the season that Travis Kelsey is having is just astronomical. It it's really nuts. Is. And like to look at the Chiefs in uh, Madden is a game we talk about. Madden is the entire reason this podcast even exists right now. The Chiefs could very well have three players on offense that are 99 overall with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill, who I believe is currently a 98. 
I mean, all he's got to do is have another decent game and a couple touchdowns, and they might as well just bump him up another. Like it is the talent on this offense is just so absurd, and people forget that they still have a great running back and Clyde Edwards-Alaire who can catch the ball, can run the ball well. The offensive line has been beat up, and this is not me trying to be like a super homer because I am personally a Chiefs fan, but it's just you look at this team, the offensive line is beat up like I mentioned, but they're going to be coming back and they're going to be healthy heading into the playoffs. And the defense is getting better as well the last couple weeks. It's almost one of those things. I know we're going to break down the games here in a little bit, but it's like the Chiefs get bored in games and they have all this talent and it's like they just start becoming reliant on someone else to make a play at times. But at the same time, they know they can't. So it's just the way they play ball. But it, it's all in all, my point is like, it's crazy that there's this much talent on one offense in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. Um, one correction there, and I'm not trying to call you out, but you, there's no way you can say Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a great running back. He, okay. You can't I say knew that. Was, I knew that was coming after I said right. it. No, and, he, and again, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just no, saying, like, no, no, I know. That, right? he's, he's a good running back, but, like, he's also a rookie right now, and if they were to put the offense through him, I'm sure he would be the top running back in the NFL this year. But, like, the way everyone else is playing on this offense, it's like you don't need him to be that yet. Now, you know, they can't – you can't tell – or you could tell, excuse me, last week when they played the Dolphins that they wanted to get him going early, and they did the same thing with Le'Veon Bell. And then it's like, boom, Sammy Watkins, bam, Tyreek Kill, see you later, Tyreek – or Travis Kelsey. And then, you know, here's McCole Hardman as well, another speedster. Oh, did you forget about a guy that comes out of nowhere to help the team into Marcus Robinson – and it's like these receiving weapons are there. And Patrick Mahomes would much rather throw the ball down the field, you know, because he has that talent and ability than dump it off to a running back and then let him eat. That's not a knock on tra- or that's not a knock on Patrick Mahomes either. It's just that's just the role of Clyde Edwards Alaire right now. And it might be one of those situations where we hit the playoffs and we see him just blow up like we've seen Damian Williams do the last two seasons. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not saying that CH is not could not be great. I'm just saying yeah. we can't say that he is great right now because he hasn't had the opportunity, right? Like exactly. he's at this point, and I know like early in the year he was top three, five rushing, and that's just because he had a huge week one, you know, stat line. But like I don't even think he's like top twelve in rushing yards anymore. Um, I don't know. I literally just had my phone pulled up. <laughs> I had it up earlier today. Now I can't. This I'm is, trying to look right now. This, I got um, it. He's actually 16th. 16th. So. Yep. 724. Yep. So. But like he's about to hit that 800 yard mark, and that's what the Chiefs had last year, um, in two running backs with, uh, Shady McCoy and Damian Williams. You know they were able to get like a combined 800 yards. They're about to get it from one running back this year that they took in the first round, and as a fan. Yeah. It's kind of worth the draft pick if you can get that type of production from one running back than you were in two. And For sure. Off, keep him on For the field. Sure. Absolutely. Like, he is legit probably. And we have to remember, he pretty much missed uh, not last, not the game against the Dolphins, but against the Broncos, like week 13, because he had an illness. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, he's probably the third best running back, rookie running back this year. Maybe even fourth. I mean, that's fair. That's, yeah. I mean, it's a very understandable statement. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be disappointed or upset or try and argue you. Yeah. And again, he can go off at any moment. He has the talent. He has the offense to do it. 
we're just talking this year. Like you, you can't say 100%. Yeah. We're all, we're all on the same page. So cool. All right. I guess it's time to start breaking down the uh, awesome weekend that it was last, uh, last weekend. Absolutely. Now I was at a Christmas party for this new England Patriots travel, uh, to Los Angeles where the Rams were favored by five. It looks like we got the spread there. So we both get this, uh, what were your thoughts on this game? Aside from the fact that the Patriots, they're so confusing this year on when they're going to be good and when they're not, because on Sunday they literally blanked the Los Angeles chargers in Los Angeles. And then they play the Rams and they can't fucking score at all. Like no one special teams gone. Defense didn't show up. And you look at the Rams and it's, they did whatever the hell they wanted. Jared Goff had a rushing touchdown. He did. So I was actually traveling to Southern Utah during this game, but I was listening to it. Uh, I had to rewatch some of it. And basically what it comes down to is the NFC needs to watch out for the Rams like we've been saying. They now can run the ball. They now have their running back in Cam Akers, um, who I think I last episode I said that that's the guy you wanted to start. I think I said that last episode. Um but, like, you're in trouble. Like, if they can run the ball, that means you are not going to get pressure on Jared Goff. And we all know that if Jared Goff has a clean pocket, he is probably a top eight quarterback throwing the He's ball. probably in the top five, yeah. yeah. Like, when he has a clean pocket. So, like, you're in trouble if McVay can figure out how to get this running game going on a consistent basis when you get into the playoffs. Especially when you have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup coming off, you know, a play action type of sweep. When it's just like we're we're biting on Cam Akers up the middle, there goes Woods or Cup right around the end. Yeah. And they're moving back and they did this at the end of last year too. They're moving back to the twelve personnel. So they're starting to yep. run two tight ends again and they're just saying you have you are going to think we're running the ball because we've got two tight ends in, but little do you know we are going to just set up this play action and we're going to be dinking and dunking you, and then we're going to hit you with a deep ball every now and again, and you're not going to know what's hitting you. Yep, it's going to be Higby and Everett, Higby and Everett, and then Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, bam, here's Acres up the middle, and then like their other two running backs as well have been decently well this season, like Henderson, um, and who's the other one that's slipping my Correct. mind? Malcolm Brown. Thank you. I knew it was an M. Uh, it, there it is. Like I wrote last week, I believe, as well, or a couple weeks ago, and I came on here and said it with you. It's like whatever team represents the Super Bowl and uh, from the NFC Conference could very well be from the NFC West. Like, mo- like an NFC West team should be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. I'm confusing myself trying to con- convey that out to you guys, but like, you look at the Packers and you look at the Saints and you look at Tampa Bay and everyone else in that division, and it's who's had to gone through the most trials and tribulations. It's been the Rams and the Seahawks. You know what I mean? They've had those disappointing losses in the year. They've had a tough conference all the way around. Like even with the 49ers being beat up, those aren't easy wins when you have Kyle Shanahan at coach. Like this NFC West division is good, and it's been deemed the toughest division in football for a reason, and we're seeing it right here. Now, before we spend too much time on this game, let's get into the next one here starting on Sunday with the Houston Texans and the Chicago Bears. Houston was favored by a point and a half. For some reason, I picked the Texans and then listened to Treese explain everything that was wrong with him as he picked the Bears, and then I go in on Sunday and make a parlay bet before the day starts, and pick the Bears to win. I don't know why I do it, but I did. 
the Bears walloped the Houston Texans. They didn't stand a chance this week. Like, that defense was great. I don't think Houston scored until, like, what, second half of the game, if I remember correctly. And then the Bears, it's – you almost have to kind of ask yourself, like, what is this team? You know what I mean? Like, Mitchell Trubisky didn't look bad. They're running the ball. They're getting the ball down the field. The defense is present. What's stopping this team from being so damn good? Besides inconsistency, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Um, yeah, they did actually score right before the half is when Houston ended up scoring. Um, but yeah, complete blowout. I talked about how I thought that this, uh, you know, the speed and aggressiveness of this Chicago defense was going to get a ton of sacks on Wilson or Watson, I mean, and they did, right? Smith had a couple, Edwards had a couple, Khalil Mack had one, and he had more like hurries. So um, yeah, I think that that's really what it came down to. And for me, um, it's weird to say this, but especially for fantasy purposes, it's weird that you have teams that have looked so bad at times in even Washington and then the Bears that could be huge parts of winning a fantasy title if you're still in it. Like having guys like if Antonio Gibson comes back and then obviously Terry McLaurin, who's had a couple down games, but you're going to be starting him. And now with the Bears, like you have to start Derek um, Montgomery because he's just – or sorry, David Montgomery because he is just dominating. You, we talked about A-Rob. A- A-Rob had, had another amazing game. And like if you don't have one of those elite quarterbacks, like honestly, you may even start about – like think about starting Trubisky with his running ability in fantasy. Like it's crazy like how those things can happen given I, – I hope you're not in that situation where you'd have to consider that. But like – in a deep league, you absolutely could be. So, especially a two-quarterback league. So, um, yeah, it was, this kind of played out exactly how I thought it was going to, to be honest. Yeah, and I'm glad you were able to nail that. Let's get into our next one, the Dallas Cowboys traveling to Cincinnati. This was an Andy Dalton revenge type of game, and you saw the difference within it. You know, I say that as he only has like 16 completions in less than 200 yards but two touchdowns. And... It's just kind of one of those things where the Dallas Cowboys, you know, they put up 30 points, but like you sit here and you look at the stat line and there's nothing to be excited about. Like there's just nothing where you look at this team and you're like, oh yeah, these guys are freaking good. They're going to make a difference. And like the only reason the Bengals scored was because of a fumble return and then they just couldn't get anything on offense. So like, I'm just, I'm confused on what this game could have been. I'm not, excuse me. I'm not confused, but I wonder what this game could have been if everyone's healthy. Like, if you have Joe Burrow, if you have Joe Mixon for the Bengals, you know what I mean, and their receiving weapons are doing well, too, and then you go to the Cowboys, like, if Dak Prescott's on this team, how much difference does this offense look? How much more explosive is it? I think it would have made it a lot more interesting, but it wouldn't have been the Andy Dalton revenge game in that case. So it's just kind of one of those things where you look at it, and then you look at Zeke, and I'm kind of all over the place with this, but... It's what I really want to get into, Trace, and I want to hear your thoughts on it too. Is what's going on with the guy this season? You know, and I don't expect I don't expect you to have a great answer on it because I mean, literally nobody does. The offensive line has been beat up, but you lose Dak Prescott, and everyone looks to Zeke like, okay, cool, we'll just run the ball, you know, 30 times a game and be just fine, or we can use him in the passing game to help a backup quarterback in Andy Dalton. We'll be fine, and it's felt like he's just been non-existent this season, and I just I'm so confused by it. Well, he's had two big injuries, right? He's had a calf injury and then 
uh, quad injury that's really limited him, I think. And so that's a big thing. And then another thing is they're not running in the ball. Like that's the for me that's the biggest thing. Like when you think of Zeke, you are thinking of a guy that is going to be getting at least say 20 to 24 touches a game, right? Like you say 18 carries, two or three catches a game. Like he is at he's averaging at 13 carries basically. Like last couple of weeks, 12, 18, 10, 21. Then he did go 18, 19, but then he went 12, 12, 19, 12, 14, right? Like he has all these games where you have less than 15 carries, and that's just not the way this team is built. Um, I think this is just very poor coaching by McCarthy as well. I think that this is a huge thing. And if he is banged up, then you need to run Tony Pollard more as well. And I don't think Tony Pollard's getting enough looks. So I feel like they got caught up on this, like, Look at all these receiving yards our receivers have put up these first like three or four weeks with Dak. Like these are the biggest weapons on our team, and I'm like, yeah, but the team like you the team needs to run through Zeke no matter what, and so mm-hmm. or the running game I should say it doesn't have to be Zeke like it, or to, right it could be Tony Pollard as well. So for me that's what I would say to that. Um, and then another thing with this game is I mean it was just kind of a snooze fest to be honest, but. Um, you know the the meme of the Undertaker like waking up from uh-huh. the coffin. That was like AJ Green this week. So like he he only had six for sixty two. He did have a touchdown, but like he looked healthy running the ball or uh-huh. running his routes. So like all earlier this year, it was like man, he just looks slow and like he can't do it anymore. This week he looked fast. It was weird. I- I do wonder if it's kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, people are going to remember what I did here at the end of the year if I'm going to go somewhere else and try and, you know, move on or at least be a trade piece or get somewhere uh, in free agency if they do release him. Is he a free agent after the season anyways? Yeah, because yeah, they, okay. they franchise tagged him and they're not doing That's that. That's right. That's exactly. So I, this is exactly the situation. He's going to have a big game the next couple of weeks or the next three weeks in the year. Like he knows, like what I show here these last four weeks is what I can go in off season and go, hey, this is what I can give your team every week. Look at what I was playing with. Didn't get an opportunity. Was dealing with another foot injury. You can trust me, even though I'm kind of old. So within that AJ Green, I mean, I think you bring up a great point, but it is going to be kind of nice to see him be the old AJ Green we're used to seeing here these next couple of weeks because I have a feeling that's exactly what his mindset is right now. Let's get into the next game then uh, from here on out. The Tennessee Titans <laughs> went to Jacksonville, uh, or excuse me, just played Jacksonville. They were in, in uh, Jacksonville all in all, but like, I don't know if Jacksonville was present this game because they didn't do shit. Yeah, I mean, it looked bad. Uh, and now they brought in Minshew. He's back as the starter. Perfect. Thank you for giving this team some sort of hope of winning another game. Like, no, just keep up Glennon so we know we're going to lose. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about this game. Like, Tennessee ran it down their throats. We talked about it last week that, like, after they got beat up by Cleveland that they were probably going to try to prove a point. So, I mean, yeah. again, like, what more do you want to say about a 31-10 to 10 blowout win? <laughs> so, I mean, just maybe the fact that, like, Derrick Henry had over 200 rushing yards yeah. and two touchdowns on 26 carries. Yeah. At least got to throw that stat out there because that's nice. Uh, no matter who you're playing week in, week sure. in and week out. I did see someone tweet, though, that like uh, it was a meme 
but it was a picture of who's your daddy. And then it's like a picture of Jacksonville saying Derrick Henry. And it was like oh. the Jaguars logo. Oh, for sure. That I mean, those memes started when he had the 99 yard touchdown run like three years ago. Like he he has owned he has owned Jacksonville in his career for sure. Like even when everybody thought Derrick Henry wasn't that good and he was only having like his first couple of years where he only had like two or three just monster games, it was always against the Jags. So for sure. There, there we go. Our next game, my Kansas City Chiefs went to Miami to play the Dolphins. They usually play well in Miami, or at least they have in recent years, especially last year in February. If you know what I mean, wink wink, Super Bowl champions, love it. Uh. It was a good game. It was nice to see the offense moving. It was kind of nice to see the defense step up at times and get pressure. They had a safety at one point. Chris Jones had a sack. Frank Clark had a sack. You know, they were playing well. But then at the same time, you look at the Dolphins, they had four turnovers against Kansas City Chiefs. They forced four of them, three interceptions. Xavier Howard, he got that fifth one. Five games in a row, he's had an interception. They also forced a fumble on McCole Hardman. It was just a great punch out. You have to give credit where credit's due. They were also missing some players, though. Like They were missing some defensive starters. They were missing their starting running back. I do wonder if they have those guys, what difference that makes this week for the Chiefs, um, especially with Van Noy not playing and what he would have brought on the defensive side of the ball. I got the spread, though. Like I knew the Dolphins would find a way to keep it close just watching the Chiefs. And my only concern with it, and as I was mentioning earlier, is like the Chiefs get bored in these games. You know what I mean? They get they get up by so much or they struggle and then they still look at the scoreboard and they they have points and they're winning by so much. And it's just like not necessarily play lackadaisical football, but, you know, not play like foot on the throat. We're going to end these guys. We're going to put fear into everybody because you do that anyways after having four turnovers. And next thing you know, you come out of the half and you're up 18 points in about 63 seconds. It's just impressive and it's stunning and. As a Chiefs fan, I'm just trying to make knocks there just so I don't have, like, you know, a reason or just sound like this cocky asshole. But, like, back to the Dolphins. So let me say this. The future is bright. What Brian Flores has going on with that defense, the money that has been spent on that defense has been very well spent. The offense just needs more experience together, and they need to be healthier. Uh, and this is going to be a team to look out for in the AFC moving forward. AFC East, I should say. I think the AFC in general. Um They'll be a threat. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, it was an exciting game. I was really bummed that, like, Gaskins got hurt. Or, I mean, sorry, went on the COVID list. I was very upset by that. So I wanted to see what he could do against uh, this run defense of the Chiefs. But, um, yeah, overall, good game. And, I mean, Chiefs just need to uh, – I mean, they're going to be ready, you know, no matter who they play. But, like, I'm, I'm ready for playoff football for the Chiefs just to see when they're facing other teams, you know, like when it's like do-or-die type stuff. And I think that, I think they're ready for that as well at this point. So nothing much more to say about this. I mean, Dolphins barely hanging on to that last playoff spot right now, uh, tied with the yeah. Ravens, but they do have the tiebreaker right now over them. So um, that can change very quickly, though. You love to see that. Our next game, the Arizona Cardinals traveled to New York to face the Giants. Arizona was favored by two and a half. They win it. You know, they came and took care of business. They won 26 to seven. The offense was rolling, but it was the defense that was a difference maker here, I should say, because freaking hell. Hassan Riddick gets five sacks and what, two or three forced fumbles. The dude had himself a day, and the Giants didn't have an answer for it. You know, Daniel Jones only had 11 completions for 127 yards. There was nothing going on in the running game either. 
it was as if this offensive line completely forgot how to block. And the couple steps forward that they took and praise they were receiving from everyone the last couple weeks, they just took 20 steps backwards. No, they really did. Um, we'll talk about it more during the Washington one, but I mean, it really depends on that Alex Smith injury. And I know the test came back negative, but they cannot let him miss very much time because I think that it's theirs for the taking at this point. But if it's Haskins, then the Giants, even though they lost six a game, are still in it. But if Smith comes back, like this is the game that cost you the playoffs uh, for the Giants. No, I think you're exactly right. Uh, let's just go ahead and get into our next one. The Minnesota Vikings at Tampa Bay. I mean, the Buccaneers got lucky that the Vikings kicker sucks. Like that ultimately cost them the game. The score was 26 to 14. The amount of missed field goals win them the game. Like, Bottom line, like it's just that's what it is. So, I mean, good on the Vite, or excuse me, good on the Buccaneers to get a win. A win is a win in the NFL, but like there's nothing impressive with this game or these stat lines from anyone here from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, you know, has a couple touchdown passes, a deep one uh, over the middle to, I believe, Scotty Miller, and then he had the, the one to the corner of the end zone over the top to uh, Gronk. Good place ball, but you have the relationship there. I am concerned with Tampa Bay, and I think they are one of these teams that gets, you know, knocked out of the playoffs in the first round if they make it, honestly, with the way the NFC is this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one whose stat line was really good, Leonard Fournette. Um, if nobody gets that joke, he was a healthy scratch for LaShawn McCoy. Literally, for 37-year-old LaShawn McCoy got uh, the roster spot over Leonard Fournette, and uh, who Leonard Fournette likes to talk a lot of shit about how it's nice to play for a quarterback, a real quarterback and stuff. I mean, hey, dude, look at James Robinson. He's doing something that you never did, and uh, now you're inactive for a team. So enjoy that, Lenny. He's doing what you never did. <laughs> it's also true. Oh, this guy. <laughs> Uh, let's get into our next one. The Denver Broncos go to Carolina to play the Panthers, and the Broncos come out victorious. Now, Carolina did have a chance there at the end of the game to win, but they just they couldn't get the ball moving down the field, and it just wasn't working. And we're seeing this team kind of fall apart a little bit uh, and go away from what made them so good at the beginning of the year, and it was just distributing the ball all over the field. And a big part of that is because Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have time to throw. Looking at the draft next year, the Carolina Panthers are in a position to take a quarterback. So that's something to be decently excited about heading into the offseason if you're getting tired of watching Teddy Bridgewater play. I still think he's the starting quarterback there next year, and they just bridge him one more season to see how it goes. But we got to give credit where credit's due, and that is Drew Locke with the Denver Broncos. Like The defense stepped up and did their job and got pressure, but like Drew Locke also had a big game himself. Four passing touchdowns, almost 300 yards. And just six incompletions. The dude did his part. And this offense, it can be dangerous at times. They just have to learn to put things together. Um, and when you look at like the end of uh, what? Excuse me, post game interview with Drew Locke, it's just the matter of fact of like, hey, I just got to learn to not throw the ball deep every single time down the field. Like I got to learn to trust that you know I can give the ball to KJ Hamler underneath, uh, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay underneath, you know, and Noah Fant as well and then just let them eat and gain extra yards and just march down the field instead of just wanting these deep, miraculous throws for a highlight reel. Sometimes you just got to play good football and just get down the field as you can. There it is. If you can keep up this type of performance, Drew Lock, you're the future of the Denver Broncos. Yeah. I mean, this is the type of game that's going to get it so they don't take a quarterback next year. Um, that's yep. what it is. Uh, eventually, they, I think – 
again, I've been saying it, so this isn't breaking news, but I think that eventually people will get sick of like, yeah, you have one of these games a year, and then the other ones are just, you know, yep. sub sub average. So, uh, but yeah, big big game for them. Uh, Carolina without DJ Moore was, I think, was a big loss for that offense. I think that that it really hurt them, and um. It also is reports are uh, since Carolina plays on Saturday this this week, they play against the Packers on Saturday and actually the Broncos play on Saturday as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Christian McCaffrey not going to play. Very doubtful is what they said. So uh, probably another wow. game without Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so sucks for those owners that did draft him that somehow still made the fantasy playoffs. You're going to have to go another week without him um, at this point. If you lose if the Panthers lose, like you just shut McCaffrey down, right? Like if you're four and ten, yeah. Wow. I mean, you might as well just announce it now, send him down for the rest of the year. Yeah. Try and get better draft capital, like you get in a better draft position, especially if you're in place for a quarterback, because that's what you need. Take a quarterback, build the offensive line. Your defense is gonna be good. You yeah. spent an entire draft last year on the defense. Literally yeah. every pick was for a defensive player. For sure. It's actually like the two picks that are going to like change the draft this year are going to be right around that like seven, eight range. And that is the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers on if they take a quarterback or not. Yep. And it's it's going to be nice depending on who they take it. I mean, I know that's something we'll figure out close as we get closer to the draft on, you know, who's a better fit in that situation quarterback wise for these teams. And if there's possibly any other teams that trade up, and I know the way Treese's brain works, he's probably already got a couple teams in his mind with some draft or with some picks and moves, trade possibilities that can happen for the draft. Uh, let's get into our next game, though, and that's the Indianapolis Colts at Las Vegas playing the Raiders. They walloped the shit out of them. I mean, they just did whatever they want. Jonathan Taylor, another big week. You know, Phillip Rivers is playing well. Two touchdowns, almost 250 yards passing. But it's Jonathan. It's the Jonathan Taylor story with 150 rushing yards and two touchdowns himself. And then you look at T.Y. Hilton, almost 100 yards receiving and two receiving touchdowns. Welcome back, T.Y. Hilton. Like it's nice to see you be a part of this offense again um, and make an impact. And this is a team that I'm worried about heading into the playoffs. This is the team in the AFC where I look at it and go, no one's talking about them. This defense is young and it's fast, and they're experienced, and this offense is clicking. Look out for the Coltons in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. They're going to be that wild card team that you don't want to face. But for me, it's still just there are some offenses in the AFC that are going to be able to just put up points even against this tough defense. And it's going to come down to Phillip Rivers needing to make some plays. And I know he has this year, but like just history shows that he's not going to in the playoffs. And so I think that's going to be the downfall. Uh, to this uh, to this season for the Colts and don't get me wrong the future is very very bright for the Colts um, and they are going to make some damage in the next couple years absolutely for sure for sure Uh, this next game I mean I don't know it's the Jets playing the Seahawks the Seahawks kill them Jets don't care anymore they're done they're going defeated yeah for sure absolutely like this game like I literally watched about three plays of this game and then I was like all right I'm done that's three more plays than I watched. Uh, the Packers played the Lions. The Packers were favored to win this by seven and a half. I thought the Lions might, you know, have some more fight in them. They just didn't. The way the Packers played and the way they're moving the ball with Devontae Adams and, you know, 
Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers, good luck stopping this team. And I know I mentioned it earlier in the episode, this is going to be a tough team to stop in the playoffs. Uh, if they can keep rolling with these, you know, undervalued type of players, um, you know, every position, quarterback, running back, tight end, and receiver, we each had on our top five, uh, except for me and running back was, this is a team to look out for. And the Lions had a chance to kind of find their way back in this game, but Matthew Stafford deals with an injury late, has to sit out. Lions lose. I mean, that's just the storyline of the Lions within these last couple of years. And now the question is, do you just have to blow this whole thing up, including moving on from Matthew Stafford? I know the contract situation is there. We've also discussed how the salary cap is a myth. You can find a way to work things out, you know, switch contracts, trades, yada, yada, yada. What do the Lions do, man? Yeah, that, that's going to be the million-dollar question when the offseason starts. So it's going to be very fun to see that play out. Um, and obviously with this game, the biggest the biggest thing was that Marvin Jones catch down the sideline that was ruled incomplete, which, um, you know, it looks like it was complete when you get, you know, all this time to look at it and stop and all this stuff. And, and I get it. I can see the frustration from Lions fans. I can also see it from – the ref's point of view, though, that you called it incomplete and you literally get, you know, 120 seconds to mm-hmm. look at something and then you have to get out of that booth where you don't get this all this time to, like, take screenshots and all this stuff that, like, Lions Twitter is doing. And again, that is proving that they got the call wrong. I'm not saying that it's OK. I'm just saying, like, we have to see it sent from both points of view here and, like how difficult it's got to be for them. Um, but rough call, right? Like it, it honestly may have cost the Lions a win there, um, yep. at least a chance of making this go into overtime. So um, tough loss for the Lions. Packers, yeah, I'm, more, I'm right there with you. Like this defense is playing great. Again, I still think that they're going to run into a juggernaut that can run the ball on them and they're not going to be able to do anything. But also I think this offense is a lot better than what it was last year. So maybe they're going to be able to keep up with teams, you know, and then just wait for that defense to make one big stop. Absolutely. Uh, let's get into the next one. The New Orleans Saints went to Philadelphia and lost uh, as the Eagles and Jalen Hurts find a way to win. The defense made just enough plays, but it was very clear that there was a spark within this entire team. And an interesting stat, Duck Peterson is 11-2 and when Carson Wentz is not starting at quarterback. Holy shit. I mean, that in itself right there and the way this offense played with Jalen Hurts and you know, the difference he brings with his mobility and ability to take off, but then yet throw the ball away and not turn it over. Again, it's one game. It's his first start. No one has film on it. They do now. He might come out this next week and just lay an egg. And the Eagles are sitting here like, well, shit, it doesn't matter. You know, at least we got the upset over the Saints. But now what was the point of doing that? You know, all realistically, I don't think they're making the playoffs. I know we're getting ready to talk about the Washington football team, and Tracy, you just kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. They will not make the playoffs if Alex Smith is not starting at quarterback. And I'm sitting here agreeing with you. I didn't say much a little bit ago when you brought up that point, but you look at the Eagles, there is a possibility you get in. You are the NFC East, but all in all, this was just a disappointing type of game by the Saints defense as the Eagles just ran all over them. And Tracy, I don't, I'm sure you were thinking the same thing. Why weren't they running the ball this efficiently with Carson Wentz at quarterback? Exactly. Why is Miles Sanders now getting this many carries and this many looks in the passing game? Like, yes, like the offense looked like it had a spark. But again, like Jalen Hurts threw for 160 yards. Like, yep. let's let's not act like he blew, you know, everything out of the water. Like, 
167 passing yards, but Miles Sanders, huge 82 yard run. And then, um, so I think it was 66 games, uh, the Saints had gone without allowing a hundred yard rusher. And then they allowed two in this game with Hurts yep. and Sanders. So pretty crazy there, but yeah, 18 carries for 106 yards for Hurts. Like that's impressive. It really is. Um, I mean, just everything about this game was impressive by the Eagles. And yeah, they may have gotten lucky by, uh, I think, two missed field goals from the Saints as well. Um, so they just caught them off guard in the first half, right? They had that huge lead. And then really, the Eagles didn't do much in the second half, to be honest with you. Um, they scored seven points. Um, they scored 17 in that second quarter. That really kind of put them over the top. So, um Good for the Eagles. Like that's all I can say. It's good for the Eagles. I want. Let's see Hertz continue to do it. If he does, like, good for him. Good for them. Like that's all I can say. Um, as for the Saints, this is the Saints, obviously first loss in a long time, but first loss in the last two years without Drew Brees. You brought up the eleven and two record uh, without Wentz for Doug Peterson. I mean, Sean Payton is was five and zero last year, and then he's three and one this year so what is that eight one eight and one nine and one something somewhere in that area um in case I, I missed a game there um without drew Brees, so it's interesting how that can work out sometimes like you can just simplify the offense sometimes and just like go back to fundamentals it feels like that's a very good point that i never thought of with like drew Brees is evidently one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game it's going to be a first bout hall of famer but yet when he's not playing quarterback, the Saints are still winning football games. Good good bit of information right there, Chase. Uh, the Chargers and the Falcons game, I don't know how much we want to explain this. Both teams stink this year. Justin Herbert had a big game. Austin Eckler led the team in receiving. Falcons-wise, not much going on. Not too much to be excited for at the end of this year. The same thing that I brought up with the Lions. You know, What's the question mark? Are you going to blow the whole thing up? Uh, and move on from Matthew Stafford with the Lions. What are you going to do with the Falcons? Is it as simple as just adding to the defense and praying to God that guys can stay healthy for you to compete uh, in this division? Or do you just kind of look at it with the new regiment coming into town and go, thanks, Matt Ryan, for all your years of service and you know the Super Bowl appearance and a winning an MVP with this organization, but it's time for us to move on in a new direction. I know it might be early to ask that question, you know, as there's still three weeks left into the season, but you know, Falcons are in another one of those positions where they could take a quarterback in this draft. Yeah, they really are. I just, I just want Matt Ryan to go back to go to San Francisco and be back. With yeah, him. I just want it so badly. I um, bet he does too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, that's a dream scenario. Um, I think for both cases. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, not much to talk about this game. Austin Eckler's starting to become just the vocal point of this offense now that he's healthy, looking really good. Herbert back on track, looking good after that bad performance against the Patriots. Um, actually, a very weird stat line for him, like 36 for 44, which is great. But when you have 36 completions, you would expect more than 240 passing yards. That was like a very uh, – like – Justin Herbert Oregon stat like just like if you go back to Justin Herbert's Oregon stats he always had a like just not that many, very many passing yards and it's just because of the way the style of offense they were playing like they were just big we just need to get 10 yards like just go do that they didn't go down the field a lot like how uh, Herbert has been doing with uh, the Chargers so far this year yeah and I mean Austin Eckler's your leading receiver with 67 yards I mean 
we know the Falcons defense ain't good. Where the hell was, you know, everyone else on this team for the Chargers? All in all, though, they get the win. A win is a win in the NFL. Speaking of wins, the Washington football team, the team that we've been kind of talking about all episode without purposely trying to do so, and a big part of that is because of Alex Smith. And like we've both mentioned, if he's not starting quarterback, you're not winning this division and you're not hosting a playoff game uh, as the winner of your division. And you sure as hell ain't making the playoffs if you do not win this division. Uh, not a lot to be excited for. It's just the hope and prayer of Alex Smith being healthy and being able to play this next week. That's, that's ultimately it. When you look at San Francisco, there's weapons all over this team. I mean, they're they're all over the place. And if you can get George Kittle back being healthy with the way Brandon Ayuk has been playing this year, Dude had 10 receptions for 119 yards. My fantasy team's freaking loving it. And then you add that with, you know, a Debo Samuel and then a Raheem Mostert with a George Kittle and an actual quarterback. Good luck, everybody else. Yeah, for sure. And Debo's now out for the year. They announced that today. Um, but again, like it doesn't matter. You're not going anywhere this year, so you might as well uh, just do your thing. But you're right. Like Ayuk and Debo, Kittle, Mostert, like any running back. Jeff Wilson had a good game. You add in whoever you want into that that role, and they're going to be having success. So um, they'll be they'll be back next year. Um, the biggest thing for them is. Are they going to lose all their coaches? Like, are all of these assistants yeah. finally going to get out and have head coaching jobs? But the biggest thing is like, um, like Mike McDaniel, their uh, running coordinator, is who I really want as the Jags' offensive coordinator. But I know Shanahan has like denied him and uh, Lafleur uh, options to go and interview for those type of jobs because obviously head coaches can do that, and he's done that multiple times with those guys. I. I hope that eventually he just says, hey, you guys deserve it. You guys go go do your thing. Go be a, an offensive coordinator. So then you can hopefully get a head coaching job at some point. So we'll see Absolutely. there. Uh, let's get into our next game. There's only two more left. And, Trees, we're, we're getting close to an hour here. Uh, and these were the two biggest games of the weekend, it felt like. The Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know if you saw it, Trees. Juju Smith-Schuster makes a TikTok of him dancing on the Bills logo. Josh Allen gets into the freaking tunnel right before the game and goes, they're playing these games, they're doing their fucking dances or whatnot, but we're fucking working. Let's go win this game. Not exact quote, pretty much what he said. It put a chip on the shoulder of the Buffalo Bills, and they came out and showed it. And the way Josh Allen played, almost 250 passing yards, two touchdowns. Zach Moss, a big part of this offense in running the ball. He led the team in rushing. But it's the Stephon Diggs show here. Dude has 130 receiving yards and 14 targets came down with 10 of those the dude is the focal point in this offense and the best part of watching josh allen play right now is beforehand or a couple years ago you would see him just chuck the ball down the field and you're like dude what are you doing like your arm's so damn strong you're overthrowing everyone and the defense just has to run underneath it now it's like he throws the ball down the field off his back foot and by the time the camera finds the receiver that's 60 yards downfield we're watching that ball get pretty damn close to being caught in between two defenders. And it's like, whew, this dude is is feeling it right now. And he is the future of Buffalo. And if you're a part of Bill's Mafia, man, have fun. Because you guys are set to compete in this division for a very long time. Uh, if not, own it like the Patriots did. And that might be a, a bold statement or a hot, like, a hot thing to say. But, like, it's true. The way these guys can play at times is just freaking look out. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I think the Dolphins are going to have something to say about that. Bill Belichick will 
you know, he'll recover and be back. I, yeah. I think it'll actually what it means is this division is going to be super fun with those three teams. And then, hey, Jets get Trevor Lawrence. You never know what can happen there. Like With you, all that money and an actual GM? Yeah. yeah. So division is going to be fun. Uh, for me, it was, it was clear how badly the Steelers missed guys like Joe Hayden. I think Terrell Edmonds left the game as well with an injury. Maybe he came back. I know he left at some point, but, like, that is when – like digs just started taking care of business in that second half. I, they talked about it a lot during the podcast or the, the broadcast. So I'm not like acting like this is my thing, but like they like were like their halftime adjustments are amazing on um, the bills. The bills offensive coordinator is a very, very smart guy by doing that. So um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting with the Steelers right now. They've lost two in a row. You wonder if this is just like, Hey, like you'll, maybe this is the right time to lose, right? Like you're losing yeah. now so you can adjust at the end of the season and then like have all that adjustments done by the time you start making the playoffs. Um, I'm not saying losing is ever good, but like that you, people talk about this in college basketball a lot, right? Like it, you want to lose at the right time because then once you, obviously once you get into that tournament, you can't lose obviously, but like there's <laughs> certain times that you want to lose and learn. Um, and maybe the Steelers are doing that at the right time. So I'm still, I still think the Steelers are a big threat in the AFC. Um, I think if anybody that thinks they are not, I think you are um, overthinking it. I think that this defense can keep them in any game ever. Like even against an amazing offense like the Steelers, like this Steelers defense is truly, truly, really good. Yep. Yeah, I mean the I, AFC playoffs are going to be a fun to watch. Like they're going to be so good. So and much. It's just like it's just gonna be a hell of a freaking uh, month of January watching that thing just play itself out. Uh, our last game though of the episode, as we hit that hour mark, was Lamar Jackson taking a shit or not, Trees? It's funny because I told my wife that. So like before, like anybody started making the jokes, and I'm not saying that I was the first one to say. It. I think everybody at home was saying the same exact thing when they're like, "He ran into the locker room," and I was just like. Like talking to the TV, I'm like, leave the man alone. He just has to take a poop. Like, relax. Yeah. And so like, I kind of, sorry, go ahead. I thought the same thing because like they panned to him on the sideline, and it looked like he was like grabbing at his stomach and like kind of hunching over. And I was like, that dude's got to go to the bathroom. Like, yeah. he's over here saying he's cramping. Mello brought up a great point today on radio, and it's like, hey, he just got over COVID. Some of those symptoms, or you know, one of the symptoms is diarrhea. He very well could have had it and then just pooped so much he was dehydrated and had to get an IV. And then he just comes in and says, whew, I feel so much better. I got some weight off. Boys, I'm feeling empty, feeling good. Let's go win this damn game. And sure enough, that's what they did. That's why he was slipping so much. He had extra weight that he didn't realize. Is that what you're saying? No. Um, 100%. Yeah. No. Um. But really, this game was amazing. Like, it was so much fun to watch. I was sitting literally, so I went, I went in at halftime to like get into the hot tub, and I was just gonna like just chill for a few minutes, and then I ended up watching the entire half in there. And I was just like, my wife had to like leave me. She's like, "You're seriously gonna stay in here for like two hours?" So I was like, "Yeah, this game is awesome for sure." <laughs> game of the year. Like the the back and forth was awesome. Um, I think that the Browns did get a little lucky that Lamar Jackson had to leave for a little bit. I mean, like they were, they couldn't stop him. Like they literally couldn't after like the first, obviously they went down and scored that first drive. And then like he did stall for a few drives, but like 
before he left, like he was on a roll. And then when he came back, they were still on a roll. Um, very smart play calling by the Ravens when on that final drive, when Trace McSorley was still in though, like, Oh, yes. you think that you think that you're going to stop us? Okay. Hey, JK Dobbins, Gus Edwards, come here. You two are going to run it down their throat and they can't stop you. Just go. And I yeah. actually really loved how they were like, okay, we have a ton of field. We're going to use Dobbins because he's more of an electric player. And then it was like, once they got to the 50 yard line, it was like, okay, we have the best kicker in the NFL. We need 10 yards. Bring in Gus Edwards. We know what he's going to do. He's going to r- just pound the ball and be like, Gus Edwards, you need to get one first down. And they were all, well on their way. And then Trace McSurley, for some reason, took the ball on that third down when he should have just handed it off to Gus Edwards. I'm pretty sure he would have scored around the edge on that play. Like, he, it was wide open. Um, but I just want to talk about Lamar Jackson on that on that play. When he came back in, like, that play was truly special. Like, to think about, like, you literally don't play for – he probably was sitting out for like 30 minutes real time, right? Like, yeah, not game time, but real time. Probably sitting out for 30 minutes, sitting on a toilet, sitting on a couch, getting an IV. Whatever you were doing, it doesn't matter. You weren't playing. And then you just run in, you grab a helmet. Who knows if it was even his or not? And he just was like, all right, let's go. And then you would think that like with him being very good at running and was, and he had the open lane, he was going to get a first down. But keeping his eyes down the field and hitting Hollywood Brown, um, Hollywood Brown, like that was a tr- truly awesome play, and I hope that that kind of changes everything for him. I hope it does. Like it's maybe that is the play that he needed to be like, okay, I can start making plays like this where I get out of the pocket instead of just knowing I'm going to run. If I keep my eyes down the field, I'm that much more dangerous. Mm-hmm. I, and I truly hope that it does. Um, no, I think that's a, a very, very good point, and. You know, you bring up Hollywood Brown. It got to a point where everyone was roasting that dude on Twitter for just his inability to catch the fucking ball. Like I was having a, for the record, we were going back. I was having a heyday making fun of him. Like the any gifts I could find of like no hands, uh, judges ruling no hands. Like I was just loving it. And then it's like Lamar Jackson isn't playing. Browns are gonna win this game. And I don't know if you noticed it, and I think it was Steve Levy, uh, the announcer for ESPN, on the call. And it was like they were getting ready to pan to commercial, and it's like, oh, my God, there's Lamar Jackson. And it's like him on the sideline, and they come back, and then they show him running out. He catches his helmet and then just runs right to the field. Boom, touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown. After having, like, what, three, four, five drops that game, he catches the one that matters and goes and scores. And that was ultimately the difference for the Ravens. Now, a lot of people, oh my God, excuse me, excuse me. A lot of people were upset with the way the game ended because the Browns ended it with the safety, thanks to Javaris Landry and just the way that backyard bullshit type of play ended for them. We had the spread at minus one. That's what we did. But a lot of people got it uh, minus three. Then that safety made it minus five or five, you know, Mm -hmm. got over the spread and everyone was like, Son of a gun. Like, it was a seven-figure spread is what I heard. Yeah, so it is big, but it would have been much worse for the people that had it at minus four, right? Like, that's when it hurts because at minus three, then it's a tie, right? So, like, you – like, the people it's that were – push, For the yeah. Browns, it was a push. Sure, you're getting your money back, but you're not winning any money. Like, like that didn't make it so you lost that – you know, you just lost your yeah. 
Um, like, but for the people, because there are certain eras that it was minus three and a half and minus four. That is when it hurts, right? Because you went from literally winning sometimes thousands of dollars to losing all of that, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's when it sucks. So, um, for sure, have been worse losses, but yeah, I mean, those plays are always weird to me. Where I get it, like you got to do what you got to do, and you got to back up. It's very much like a soccer type feel to it, of like just keep passing it back. But at some point, you got to just gun it and just like say we're gonna attack the defense and just be behind me and i'll hurry and toss it back to you um so um interesting ending though uh for the browns dude that running game truly special baker played amazing i'm not even Mm -hmm. mad about that pick like that was just a great defensive play like not nothing on baker um baker you play like that this team's gonna go far in the afc playoffs Yep, and you're going to get paid a shit ton of money, too. Just take care of the ball and be you, man. That was the first interception since, what, week seven? If you're a Browns fan, you're happy with that, and you're happy with seeing Kareem Hunt be a part of the offense in the passing game as well. Rashad Higgins catching touchdowns. Damn, that team's rolling, and they're the real deal. I know they're sitting where they're at, but you don't end up at that record on by an accident. This is a team to keep an eye on. Like I know they just lost to the Ravens. The Ravens still might not make the playoffs. You still have a chance to get things figured out. Take this as a learning lesson. Move forward. If you're a Browns fan, uh, have some fun. Enjoy it because it's been a long time coming for you guys. For sure. Speaking of long time coming, it's been a long episode, and we're (laughs) going to sign out of here. So we appreciate all of you. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow breaking down week 15. Holy cow. Season's coming to an end. So uh, we look forward to it. And tonight we've been talking football.